Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Germantown Presbyterian Church. Welcome on this uh, rainy fall morning. Thank you for being here with us. It's great to welcome everybody into our presence for worship here this morning. If you're worshiping here in the sanctuary, it's also wonderful to welcome those of you who are worshiping online. We know we have many people who are watching on our sermons.net page, on our Facebook Live page, and we want you especially to know also how welcome you are, and we thank you for worshiping God with us on this Lord's Day. Whether you're here in person or whether you're online, welcome one and all. If you are visiting with us, you'll see in the narthex there are yellow bags that are visitors' bags, and they have in them lots of different uh, printed material. There are uh, pamphlets about different GPC activities, different groups. Um, There's descriptions of all kinds of different ways that you can join in and serve and be part of the life of the congregation. And so we are always so grateful for visitors to pick that up and to learn more about who we are as a family of faith. You can also do that by seeing the minister up front here. Uh, Each Sunday, one of us stays up here up front to hear from people about any questions they may have about GPC anything they may be curious about. It's also a time, if you have any pastoral care needs you'd like for one of the ministers to know about, then um, come up and see. Uh, Today it will be Mike, because Susie is uh, out preaching at another church where a minister is out, and so she's there. So Mike will be uh, up here and happy to see any visitors or hear any pastoral care concerns that you may have. Uh, And I'll be greeting folks uh, at the door as always. Please do download our bulletin if you're worshiping with us online. You can find the bulletin on our website, and you can download it, join with us in all that we are saying and doing here in our sanctuary. And you can also sign the online friendship pad. There's a tab you can click on the website. It takes you to the friendship pad, and you can sign it just as everybody in here is signing our uh, maroon friendship pad that's on the center aisle of each pew. If you would take that pad and sign it, Put your name on there, and if you're visiting with us, put your contact information down, and that would be so helpful. It will give us a chance to to know you and to greet you personally uh, after this service is over. So please do find, find and then sign the friendship pad that's in each aisle. Come back this evening for our evening worship service. Come back at 6 o'clock. It's in Warren Hall. It's a, it's a different music type of service, but it's a beautiful service. It's a wonderful service. Everybody who comes finds it very meaningful and enjoyable. It's uh, at 6 p.m. tonight. We invite you to uh, bookend your day with worship in the morning and in the evening, and we invite everybody just to uh, try the evening service once. Try it once and come and hopefully enjoy it, and let that be another part of your worship uh, here at GPC. You'll see in our bulletin, I think it's the first announcement there in the bulletin, uh, about the COVID update from the session meeting last Thursday night. And the update is that there's not much of an update. Um, It's sort of a status quo announcement. Thank you. We're uh, inviting everybody, encouraging everybody to wear masks while we're indoors. Um, Continue to do that for the next month or so. The session will meet again and uh, and, uh, assess, of course, due to numbers and uh, all the different experts' advice. Uh, we're wear a mask while we're inside. If you work with children, then you must wear a mask. Um, and of course, always encourage people to uh, consult their own medical experts and to uh, stay stay at home and worship online. If you're not feeling well on a Sunday morning, don't come and potentially risk others. The session did give Gerald 
and Alex, our musicians, a little bit of leeway to increase the number of folks that you see in the choir loft, which is a huge blessing. So we have uh, the semblance of a choir, a wonderful choir this morning. So we're grateful for that. So a little bit of leeway and some flexibility with our musicians. So just uh, hang tight. We are all in this together, and we will get through this and uh, sort of uh, grin under your mask and bear it uh, until we don't have to do that anymore. So thank you for that. Um, In two weeks, friends, James Owuni from Ghana will be here. He's one of our main partners in this Ghana mission project that we adopted um, several years ago now. We've had two trips to Ghana, and we're excited, hopefully anticipating going back to Ghana next summer. And so James Owuni will be here in two weeks. He'll be preaching on World Communion Sunday, and we'll hear more about that uh, partnership with Ghana and what life is like for Christians over in that part of Africa. And then there is a luncheon after the 11 o'clock service in two weeks. You can make a reservation by calling the church office. We'd love for as many people as possible to come hear about Christianity and faith and the vitality of it over there in Ghana, and then to to prayerfully consider if, if going on that trip might be for you. So that's in two weeks. You can see that announcement there in your bulletin, but please do make plans to come to that luncheon uh, after the 11 o'clock service in two weeks. It was a very joyful moment uh, earlier, uh, just a little while ago, when we had several new members join GPC, and we're glad to welcome them into uh, our congregation, into a life of faith. And so I'll invite them to stand for just a moment and introduce them to you. We do have Teresa and Nathan Boswell here uh, to my right, and their son Nick was baptized last week. We're so glad to welcome your whole family to GPC. And we have Katie Weiner, who is sitting here, and Katie joins us as well. Delighted that Katie has joined uh, our family of faith, both of these folks, these groups, worshiping with us for quite some time, and an absolute joy to welcome all of you into the life and the family of GPC. We had some other folks join as well. Shelby Montague attends the 8.30 service, and so she was here at 8.30, and we introduced her then. Spencer Harris also attends that early service, and so they were here earlier this morning, and they joined earlier. But you'll see these folks' uh, pictures up on the bulletin board. You'll see them in the newsletter, and uh, you'll have a chance to welcome them personally into the life of GPC. What we, uh, what we typically do is just invite you to, to find them and, and to meet them and to greet them. You might find them after this service or find them at some point and greet them and welcome them personally into the life of our church. Friends, let me tell you about a celebration that we will have in uh, probably about a week and a half, and that will be a celebration for the rich and beautiful life of Lala Meller. She died yesterday morning early, and uh, many of you have known Lala for a long time. Uh, she came here as the wife of Ernest Meller when Ernest came to be the pastor of GPC in 1964, I think is correct. 1964, so she has been with us for almost 60 years, a beautiful light, a presence who has shaped and guided so many of us in our faith. So we will celebrate her life. Um, We'll find the right date according to the family's needs. It won't be this week. It won't be next weekend. It will likely be midweek of the following week. And so um, please do lift up uh, our own church members, Lala Meller, Lala Colmer, John Colmer, and Um, Elizabeth and Ann and Ernie Meller lift up their whole family as we praise God.
for Lala's life and, and thank God for her. Friends, those are all of our announcements. Now let us prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. We gather in Christ's name to fill this place with our praise of God. God is worthy of our devotion. Please stand and join me in our call to worship. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. For the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Yet you have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. God is merciful and just, and God is quick to forgive those who repent. Let us acknowledge our need for God's grace. Let us pray. Holy God, show us your mercy and grace. Our faith is often not visible for others to see. 
We hide it under a basket, not wanting our light to shine. We are nervous around others when it comes to faith, afraid to be judged, to stand out, to be different from the world. Please forgive our tepid loyalty and please have mercy on our fickle faith. Forgive us and inspire us to live like Jesus, engaging the world in faith and living as a witness to your coming kingdom. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Christ's death on the cross reconciles us to God. His resurrection brings us new life in God's presence. I declare to you that in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Also with you. As our children come forward for the children's time, please greet those around you with a sign of God's peace. I think everybody can be seated for now. We'll see. And then we're going to call everybody up for their Bibles in just a second. Okay, thank you so much. Um, I love this line in our call to worship. Did you see where it says, through the praise of children and infants, that God has established a stronghold? You know how much we love children here at GPC and how much of an essential part of our church. Uh, all of our children are, and so we have a tradition here at GPC where we give Bibles to first graders, and it's, uh, it's a, a Bible appropriate for them in their stage of development. We give Bibles away when kids are baptized. We give Bibles away uh, sometimes at weddings, and so we love giving Bibles, and we love giving Bibles especially uh, to these first graders. We have uh, Two first graders this year and one from last year who didn't get a Bible due to COVID and all those restrictions and not being here. So we're excited on this day to, um, to, to mark their journey and mark their passage into another stage of their Christian growth and life as young disciples. And so we're grateful to have Kelly Phillips, who is one of our uh, first grade teachers, one of our um, teachers of young Sunday schools, to be here 
to read out their names, and then I will hand them their Bible uh, as they come over to me. So thank you for this moment in their lives, and thank you, Kelly. Okay, so as Will mentioned, I am honored to be the Sunday school teacher for these amazing group of kids and honored to be able to hand them their Bibles today. So um, as I call your name, if you will go over to Pastor Will and he will hand you your Bible. Samuel Alden Corsi. Abigail Nan Drawn. and William Talmadge Gunn-Harris. All right, congratulations, guys, and remember to bring those Bibles to Sunday school. We do use them every Sunday, so I'm excited that you guys got those today. Thank you. We're going to have a prayer now for them and for all of our children in our church. Let us pray. Gracious and almighty God, we are so grateful for these three young Christians receiving Bibles. We're so grateful, oh God, for Sam and for Abigail and for Talmadge. Lord, we thank you for them and for their families and for all the children of this church. Lord, we pray that as they read these stories that they would come to know and love you even more than they already do and that they would continue to love and serve you on their journey of discipleship. Lord, we lift up especially the children of the church. We pray as we emerge from COVID that we might become more and more excited about learning and about serving and about growing in Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen.
We've already done several things in this worship service that have uh, made my day and made this worship service um, already um, as good as it could possibly possibly be to welcome new members into our fellowship of faith. Um, uh, As you know, several things during the pandemic have been hard to do and to have visitors and to welcome them like we should and then to, to embrace people into our fold has been hard and so I'm so glad that we could do that this morning. And then um, the two areas of our church that have been complicated the most, to put it nicely, with uh, the pandemic have been children's ministry and our choir and our music ministry. Um, Just the embrace that we have for kids here is just phenomenal. And so to uh, to be able to give out those Bibles to first graders and just just to see those kids and to know that we have this enormous blessing and duty and responsibility to shepherd our children in the faith and to signify that this morning is so heartwarming. And then I've said to Gerald so many times, for a church that is known for its music around the Mid-South, for its incredible ecclesiastical music, uh, the the pandemic has been just terrible. (laughs) Wouldn't you agree? (laughs) Yes. We've used other words to describe it as well between us. So, Yes, we have been, and, and what, an inf- what an incredible job they have done to keep us going. But to have a choir again today is so heartwarming and such a blessing, and so I'm so grateful for all those who could be here, for Gerald and Alex and all your efforts, and for everybody who is here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Alta said I could have her autograph earlier as we were here, so I think I'll take it. How much is it worth? <laughs> a lot, Okay. Thank you to everybody who makes this service special. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come before you now in this moment praying for wisdom. We pray for wisdom, O God, that it be now of supernatural origin. We pray for the wisdom of Christ that would be available to us, that you offer it. It is a good gift from above. We pray that you would extend that wisdom to us now in what we read and hear. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. These two New Testament lessons are related to one another because one illustrates the other. And the point that James is trying to make is made by Jesus. There's an example of the disciples and some of their behavior and some of their jockeying for position and greatness. And then what happens in that Mark reading is uh, underlined in a lesson for us from James. And so we read first from the Gospel of Mark. We read about this uh, interaction between Jesus and his disciples in chapter 9, starting in verse 33. When they came to Capernaum, he was in the house there, and he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet, because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve, and he said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. So then he took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. And then our second reading continues our sermon series in the book of James. We've been in this for several weeks. We've got this week. We've got one more week to go after this, and we read from the end of chapter 3 and into chapter 4. 
I think most people know this, uh, perhaps, that, of course, um, James didn't write in chapters and verses. Chapters and verses didn't show up until uh, really centuries after those uh, first New Testament writers. In the 1400s, 1500s, that's when we see uh, the Bible books divided up into chapters and verses. For James, it was just one continuous flow, and New Testament scholars tell us that what we think of as the end of chapter 3 and the beginning of chapter 4 are for James one teaching unit because they everything in there is related to each other. So we read this morning from James 3 starting in verse 13 and then we'll go over into the beginning of chapter 4. <clears throat> James writes, "Who is wise and who has understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility, that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. It does not come from heaven. It is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, and peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, and so you kill. You covet because you cannot get what you want, and so you quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you do ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. <clears throat> when I was about 11 years old, I had a very small after-school lawn-cutting business. It was uh, so small, in fact, that the only people who hired me were my dad and his first cousin, Henry Jones. He lived around the corner, and I had this great business plan all, all uh, modeled out for me. I wrote out in my 11-year-old handwriting little flyers that I put in the mailboxes up and down the street and around uh, on some surrounding streets, and no one called. Imagine that. No one wanted to hire an 11-year-old to be in charge of how great their lawn looked. Surprise, surprise, except those who were blood-bound. My dad and his first cousin, who was like an older brother to him. Now, I can remember the time I pushed our mower down our street, down the sidewalk, around the corner, over to our cousin's house, and I cut their front yard and their backyard, pushed the mower all the way back home, and later on that day, after my dad got home from work, he said, hey, let's go check out what a great job you did. Now, what I know, in hindsight, is he wanted to see how badly his son had butchered his cousin's grass. But he phrased it positively, as he would. So we went around and rode in his car and slowed down to look there on Grove Park. And he looked over and he said, you didn't cut that little strip next to the driveway. And I looked and I said, but... Isn't that on the other property next to it? It might not even be theirs. I mean, it's just a small strip of grass. Who cares? Besides, when I cut that lawn, I was hot. I was ready to go home. So I didn't see that little tiny 
strip. It didn't really matter. So we drove back around the block, and we went home, and he made me load up that lawnmower into the trunk of his car, and we went back so that I could mow that six-inch strip of grass next to the driveway. And he turned this into a life lesson, as he did a lot, as parents do a lot, much to their children's frustration, but it must be a life lesson because you remember it. He turned it into a life lesson on ambition, on ambition. He said, you have got to pay attention to all those small things. You have got to go above and beyond the call of duty. You have got to care about those things that nobody else will care about. You have got to do that or you will never get ahead. Ahead of who? Ahead of others. Ahead of competitors. Ahead of those who may do the same thing that you do. You've got to get ahead. And I got the point that to succeed, you have to be ambitious. Has an unambitious person ever contributed to the greatness of the world? Has someone without ambition ever, ever done something remarkable and rememberable? You have to be ambitious to get ahead. So I remember life lessons like that. And you can take that life lesson and you've got your own and you can multiply them by a hundred to think about how we are called, are we not? We're called to want to get ahead and to get ahead of others and to be ambitious in order so that we can what? That we can win. So that we can win. If you play a spring sport, maybe you play lacrosse in the spring, uh, maybe you play soccer for, for boys in the spring. If you play a spring sport, why are you in the weight room every week right now? Why are you practicing your skills right now? It's to get stronger. Why do you want to get stronger? So that next spring you can win. Maybe you play a fall sport and in the spring you, play, uh, you, you practice so hard so that the next fall you'll be better and better. And it doesn't have to be sports. It could be the chess club. It could be the robotics club. It it could be anything else. Why do you work so hard and prepare in order to win and to succeed? To succeed, you have to be ambitious. So I think about this that's been so ingrained in me, and I come to lessons like this one in James, and I get stumped a little bit. I get a little tripped up because... What kind of ambition isn't selfish in some way or another? How do you not focus on yourself and your own goals and your own hopes and your own aspirations? How can you not be ambitious? And is that selfish? Is there something in what James is telling us in this reading about about who we are and, and who we should be? I'll be honest with you. I want our church staff to be filled with ambitious people for your sake and for theirs. I want them to always be wanting to get better. And I'll tell you how it plays out for me personally. I know that there are lots of ministers, because I watch them and I listen to them, who are better preachers than I am. And sometimes I get envious. And I watch them and, I, and it makes me want to be better. Is that selfish? Are you selfishly ambitious in your place of work? Well, maybe, maybe not. If you work at St. Jude, I want a St. Jude researcher to be ambitious in trying to cure childhood cancers. If you ever have a legal problem, then you want an attorney who is an ambitious advocate for your cause. I want FedEx, IP, AutoZone, small businesses that you all represent. I want everybody to be ambitious so that you can succeed and, and prosper. Is that selfish? 
It's really interesting when we come to the book of James, and we see it, we see it especially here in, at the end of chapter 3. We see it here in chapter 4, where he is going to lay out two different ways of seeing the world, two different realms, two different understandings of reality, and he, he categorizes them under the word wisdom, wisdom, that people live by two different kinds of wisdom. There is the wisdom of the world, and you can see in this reading from James all of the different attributes that come from the wisdom of the world. And then, contrary to that, though, there is the wisdom, as James says, the wisdom that comes from above, the wisdom that comes down from God, the giver of all good gifts, these, this idea of a heavenly type of wisdom that Christians are called to live by. And he is going to set up this contrast between these two ways. And it's fascinating to me because you can see in these two ways that James lifts up here, there are ways that, yes, you can be ambitious, but you can be ambitious according to heaven's wisdom and according to God's ways, or you can be ambitious and selfish according to the world's wisdom. What we've learned from James throughout this sermon series is that, that who you are and what you really believe is going to be revealed. It is going to be revealed in, in how you act. Last week we learned it's going to be revealed in how you speak and in your words. Your words and your works will reveal who you are and what you really believe deep down. So let's dive into this passage from James because it is fascinating. It is really a great understanding in, in the ways of the world and, and these different words that, that sometimes aren't translated into English as well that help us understand the meaning of, of what James is trying to convey. But he's going to pair together two words, two ideas that reveal the wisdom of the world. The first word here is aretheia, and it comes, it's translated as selfish ambition this word erethea, and it's found in several places in the New Testament. It's found even more outside the New Testament. And we have an understanding of what James is trying to convey with this idea of, of selfish ambition when we look at writers outside the New Testament like Aristotle, for example, who takes a long uh, place, a long time in one of his works about Greek public life, about Greek politics to describe what erethea is, what selfish ambition is. It actually has two definitions depending on what form you use, what form of the word and what context that you use it in. One of the ways is to spin wool, to work with wool and to spin it. The other definition for this word eretheia that we translate as selfish ambition, the other, word, the other way is a desire, says Aristotle, to put oneself forward in a partisan and factious spirit which does not disdain the low arts. To put yourself forward in a way that uses low arts, and by low arts he means lying and trickery and boasting and bribing. So do you see what's happening here in this text with this word? It's amazing. Leaders spinning stories to their own advantage to get ahead by trickery is nothing new. It's not unique to our day and age. It was going on in ancient Greece, and there was a word for it, erethea, selfish ambition. 
People who live by selfish ambition, by Eretheia, use the ways of the world and their own cunning and their own guile to put themselves forward over and above others. So James is going to pair this word, selfish ambition, Eretheia, also with another word that we all know the meaning of, that we all experience all the time, the word envy. Envy. 